hey, hey, welcome to the Flow and Flourish podcast. I am your host, the Capacity Coach, Nicole Roan, and I am so glad that you're here. This is the safe space where we talk openly and honestly about all the things that can come up as we try to juggle our competing priorities, manage self-care, work in our businesses and or in the corporate space and intentionally work on managing our capacity so that we can show up in excellence in every single room that we walk in, aka be able to flow and flourish, hence the name of the podcast. We believe that when you flow effortlessly, you flourish tremendously. And this podcast is dedicated to giving you the tips, tools, resources, all those things that you need to be able to do just that. Now, if this is your very first time here, then welcome to the sister friend tribe of like-hearted, like-minded women who are on a journey similar to yours. We are all here to get our capacity together, okay? In order to do that, we use five different areas of flow to help you be able to manage it all. So create that work-life balance that's going to be ideal for your specific situation and ultimately just walk the talk. Now, more information on those five areas of flow can be found at the very beginning of this podcast. So episodes one through five, I believe. So make sure that you tap into those so that we are all working from the same foundation as we collectively increase our capacity for sustainable success. If you've been here before, then welcome back, sister friend. I'm so glad that you choose to tune in and spend your time and energy with me. You already know that I do this for you because when one of us wins, we all win. Now, before we get into the episode today, I do have to let you know that This episode is being brought to you by the Capacity Calculator. Yes, the Capacity Calculator is a free tool that allows you to really check in on what really is on your plate and what are you making a priority in your personal or professional life. If you've never taken it before, then I invite you to go ahead and take it today. And even if you have taken it before, take it again because our capacity shifts based on the season that we're in. All of the details can be found on my website or right here in the show notes. So make sure you take advantage of this absolutely free capacity calculator tool that I created for all of us to be able to flow and flourish. All right, let's get into this episode. Mariah Street is a licensed attorney, transformational speaker, and the CEO and managing attorney of Legacy Street Law. This is a modern, virtual, down-to-earth, North Carolina-based law firm with a primary focus on providing culturally relevant education and customized legacy, wealth, and business planning to legacy-minded business owners and their families. Mariah started her law firm because her mother died suddenly at a very young age with no type of planning in place, and so she wanted to ensure that families properly protect and pass down their businesses, their legacy, and wealth in order to adequately provide for their own families. She's also a business owner who is passionate about making sure other business owners protect what they're building so they too can leave an impactful legacy through their businesses. Please welcome Mariah Street to the Flow and Flourish podcast. Okay, Miss Mariah. Oh, girl, welcome to the Flow and Flourish podcast. I'm so happy to have you. 
Girl, I'm so happy to be on here. Thank you so much for having me. Ready to have this good old conversation here, okay? <laughs> Girl, and it's so important. And as you know, this is part of our Women Making History series. And I absolutely had to had to have you on because of all the goodness in the world that you were doing and helping us to get our back end stuff together under our cash flow, right? Which flows into all these other pillars that we'll talk about. But, you know, specifically with this estate planning and just getting our money together so that we can really build that legacy, right? That we want to do. So before I give it all away, why don't you tell us what you do, how you got into this space, and then we'll jump into the conversation. Yes. Okay. So hello, everyone. My name is Mariah Street, and I am CEO and managing attorney at Legacy Street Law, a law firm based in North Carolina, and basically for legacy-minded business owners and their families, the leading law firm that provides legal business planning, general counsel services, business succession planning, as well as comprehensive legacy and estate planning services. We're particularly passionate about helping legacy-minded CEOs of color, particularly within the Black community. And we combine customized planning strategies, culturally relevant education, and legacy and business goals and values of our clients to create the ultimate plans and strategies for their life and or business that actually works and creates generational impact. Who you come to when you want to ditch the legal DIY and actually step into the role of CEO of your business by strategically scaling it and as well as your wealth um, for legacy level impact. So that's a little bit about me. I started the firm because my mom passed away at a really young age. She was only 46. I was in college at the time. And of course, like everyone else, pretty much majority of folks in the world, especially within the Black community, we don't have these types of planning tools in place should something happen to us. And so that meant that state law determines what happened to her things. And because Mm -hmm. of that, my dad got everything and neither I nor my younger brother, he's six years younger than me. He was in high school at the time. We didn't see anything. To this day, we haven't seen anything from her estate. And I know that that was not her intent. But unfortunately, when intentions don't match reality, there are consequences associated with that. So mm-hmm. that's what happened. That's why I really wanted to make sure when I started this firm that I helped make sure that legacies and wealth doesn't get lost in the sauce because that's not really what we're trying to do out here, <laughs> especially in our communities, okay? and. Mm-hmm. I focus a lot with business owners, as I just said, and of course, I'm a business owner myself. So I also see a gap there, especially with our community in the Black community. We're not knowledgeable and educated on the types of strategies we need to put in place to really protect our business, to actually oh, have, man. if we don't have these things <laughs> in place, we don't have a solid foundation for what we're building on. If you're serious about legacy, then you need to have a solid foundation. And I know your favorite guru online want to tell you that you need to start with your branding and your logo and all the marketing stuff. You need to start with a legal foundation and, and probably financial as well, like with your CPA and account. Like you need to have that in place because once you grow and you get big and everything like that, People could take your ideas, head low intellectual property. People could take advantage of you. You could get sued. And just with one lawsuit, your business could be gone and bankrupt. Yep. Be done. You'd be done. So y'all can tell I'm a little passionate about what I do. So that's a little bit about that. 
Which is good. We need the passion. And you already said so many different things just about the culturally relevant piece, right? I know you and I have talked a handful of times offline about how, and I'm probably jumping ahead, but that's okay. The listeners will follow along um, (laughs) about when we are doing any kind of planning, especially, you know, speaking from your experience with your mom passing away suddenly and not having the things in place. I know I've heard all the time, just get a will, right? So talk to me a little bit about that because- I know for me, I thought that that's exactly what I should just do, right? You got a will, everything is going to be fine and dandy and you'll go from there. So let's talk about this culturally relevant piece of getting a will. Woo, let's get it. Yes, absolutely. I know y'all have heard that. Everybody needs a will. And I would say kind of true, but with the asterisk, with an asterisk. Okay, so I'll back it up, make it plain for y'all because I really want to, you know, provide some education. So At your death, in terms of distributing your assets, there are two main ways that you can do this, okay? Your will, last will and testament, and or some type of a trust. And there are differences. Okay, I'll briefly do it because I want y'all to be educated, at least get a little bit so that you- Come on, educate us, man. We need it. We build the legacies around here. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I want y'all to walk away with something. So both of them, like I said, tells- people what to do with your assets at death. So with the will, um, main difference is that if you have a will, it's going to have to go through what's called the probate process or probate court. It is a state court that you have to, you know, file some paperwork. And I tell people, which is, I know people are like, oh, when I say this, but it's probate, it opens up your estate and it's pretty much a lawsuit against yourself. Because what happens is Um. you open up your estate and it's really for not just distributing your assets and transferring title over to your heirs or whoever you name your will, but first and foremost is for your creditors to come and collect anything that you owe to them. That's going to be the first, like once you do, file all the paperwork and do all of that, you know, the legal stuff with that. And the creditors come crawling like the creditors when you come hit the lottery, in. right? <laughs> yep. They come in and they're like, okay, she owed me $10,000 and they file whatever they need to file against your estate. That's why I say it's a lawsuit against yourself because they file whatever they need to do with your estate and they come and collect it. And all of that is being done before your family gets what is owed to them. Wow. All of that happens beforehand. And if you have a lot of debt when you die, then your family could potentially be left with nothing by the time it gets to them. Mm, So it goes through the state and then the creditors and whatnot come looking for you. They come checking for you. It gets divided amongst them. And then the family gets what's ever left over. That's That's the handy dandy will. Yep. And I want to make it clear that if you have a will, that your family will still have to go through the probate process, Mm, even if you have a will. So whether you have one or not, if you have nothing, you're going to go through probate court. If you have a will, you're going to go through probate court. So Mm -hmm. I know people don't know that. And people think, oh, well, yeah, you're going to end up in court with with a will. Because I was one of those thinking that, okay, if you have a will in place, you don't have to go and do court. So I know that you are helping somebody that's listening because people die every day, right? And we deal with the aftermath of that and having to sort through all of that nonsense in the middle of grieving can be tough. So that's why I really wanted you on so we could talk about this so we can get educated because just having a will ain't going to cut it. 
So and a lot of times it's not, and I'm going to give y'all some gems. Y'all going to walk away. Like, on, get your pens, pens, get your papers. You know, I have mine ready because I'm learning right along. <laughs> no, you don't have your, listen, exactly. If you ain't got your pen and paper out, you need it out for this episode because to your point, months after my mom passed, I talked to my dad and he was like, I never want to have to go through that ish again. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, that was the most stressful thing I have ever been through in my life to date. Mm-hmm. And on top of suffering an unexpected loss, that is hard, like hard, hard. And I don't know, like, I'm sure there's somebody listening probably that has had a taste of it or kind of saw what happened, but like, it is crazy. You're dealing with the government. There's a lot of red tech, it's all of that. And very stressful when you're grieving a loss. And so with that, when you are, you know, not only will your creditors be able to collect fees, but at that time, again, we're dealing with the state government or your estate really is paying also the administrative fees of this because there are fees associated with being in probate court. Yes, you have to pay the court fees in order for them to do all of this, okay? So you pay in the court, you're paying probably attorney's fees because I ain't gonna get into this, but like in some cases you might could do it by yourself, but when you're great, most people reach out to somebody to help them. I know they some don't people have the capacity. Yep, they don't have yeah. the capacity to do it. <laughs> you don't have the emotional capacity. You ain't got like a lot of people I know, even if they don't have quote, quote a lot, like they'll hire some attorney. So that's another expense that you, you know, have to account for. Mm-hmm. And so- all of this, like we said, before your family gets the money, if your family gets the money. If there's wow. anything left, yeah. So does the trust then protect you in a better way? And how does that work? Because I typically, when I think of trust, I don't think of people that look like me. Hey. If I'm being very honest, that doesn't feel like it's something that is for me and people that look like me. So talk to me about that. Yes. Okay. So on the flip side, I'll say one of the other biggest things with the will, because I'm going to contrast in a second with trust, Mm -hmm. is that probate can be a lengthy process. So not only will your family be probably out a little bit of money from your estate, but also they don't have access to it immediately. Like at a minimum in North Carolina, short probate or whatever is like three months. So if you just think about like that, and that's on the short end, think of if you had issues if somebody is suing your estate because family members get a little froggy when Mm -hmm. people die and Mm -hmm. you know crazy so you could have a family member that sues you because they think that they're owed something all of that heaven forbid you're in court for two years and that's very possible I've seen it where people haven't had access to assessments for two years so anyway so there's that that's a good point though I don't want you to breeze over it and I want to acknowledge it because we don't think about those things right that yes. not only are we going to pay out of pocket to have this done, Correct. we're also going to be typically in court for a minimum of three months. Who knows how long, minimum. especially if you got family members that's like, daddy put me in the will for X, Y, and Z. Ma'am, sit down. <laughs> you don't even know what I'm dealing with right now. Wait, um, sit down, okay? And on top of that, the creditors pieces. And so I yeah. think it's important for us to realize, as you've been saying this entire time, that there are different components to build in legacy and having a will ain't enough and so okay I'm excited to hear about this trust part okay now y'all trust there are many 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 
different types of trust. So when I'm talking trust, I'm talking very generally here. I probably am not going to get into the weeds of a lot of the nuances in that. This is why I can reach out to you for that. You're giving an overview. That's why you're here. Listen, hey, hey, look. But and then I was gonna say that's why I always recommend you know talking to somebody, uh, an attorney that you trust about what might be best for you. But in terms of trust generally, so if you have any type of a trust in place or trust planning in place, then you could avoid the probate process completely. Like it is a private process. You can do it in the comfort of your trusted attorney's office. They can just help you administer and boom, bam, they get access to the assets immediately, right? You don't have to go through any of the rigmarole, about blah, blah, blah. Of course, there's some paperwork and stuff associated with trust plan too. I don't want to make it seem like there's not because there is. <laughs> there's also administration of trust too. But, um, but that sounds like it's done ahead of time. So in the event that someone passes, you're like, hey, trust holder, attorney, person, this happened. We need to get access to these assets. You don't got to wait three months typically or longer or go through that probate court where people have the opportunity to file a lawsuit against debt and whatnot. I'm going to pause. I'm so excited. Come on now. Girl, listen, you covered that well. Like that's exactly it right there. So that makes it easier for your family. They don't have to be doing all this extra on top of dealing with the law. So that's one thing. And like I said, they get access to it immediately. So there's not a lot of like time in between that happens. So if you need some money to pay funeral costs and, you know, things like that, you get access to that stuff at that time. Mm -hmm. And another thing is that most of the time, no, pretty much all the time, a trust will become irrevocable at death if it wasn't already irrevocable during life, depending on the type of trust that you set up. And so that means that there is additional creditor protection Mm -hmm. added to their assets at death. So if somebody tried to come against your estate and sue your estate or something like that, then they won't be able to touch those assets at that time after your death. So it serves as a shelter for your creditor issues, if you have any, your debt issues, if you have any at death. And so that can be very, very helpful, obviously, in terms of keeping as much money in your estate within your family or, you know, however you wanted it to be passed down in the first place. So yeah, and again, you ain't got to go to court, there's no court involvement. So it's just, it can be a very more simpler process and a lot less stressful (laughs) and that creditor protection, which is helpful as well. This is so good. So I want to know then, and I mentioned earlier that when I hear the word trust, I know that I have felt that it doesn't really apply to me or people that look like me. So what has been your experience with that? And let's talk about some of the clients that come to you and where they kind of got to be head-wise, heart-wise and all of that to work with you because it's a serious topic. And many of us are running around here saying out of our mouths that we're building legacies and breaking generational curses and doing all these different things. But like you said earlier, if you don't have the foundation, I'm watching you blink them eyes, girl. (laughs) If you don't have the foundation to support that, are you really creating a legacy? So I know I just asked like five questions and let you respond. Okay. Well, let me just start by saying, let me address that part. Like people talk about generational wealth is such a buzz term. But generational wealth isn't generational until you make it so. I hate to bust the bubble that your favorite coach online or whoever is telling you about or talking about generational wealth. You might be building wealth during your life, but it's not generational wealth. 
It's not generational. What you makes need, it generational? You need a plan for your wealth and your assets. I literally have to have a written plan. Honestly, most of my clients um, plan for two generations. Wow. So not just their kids, but the kids after them. And potentially it could go on. Okay. That's my um, to me. <laughs> girl, and that's just the average. Like that's what the average client would come to me. And if you come to me and you're like, okay, we're doing trust planning, bet we about to plan for at least two generations. Okay. So to your point, like a lot of clients will come to me and they'll be like, oh, I didn't know. Once I break it down, kind of how I just did with y'all about some of the benefits of having trust planning and all of their, they're like, oh yeah, I don't want my family to have to go through all of this stuff. And they were like, oh, I didn't think that I could do that. And it's like, that's the mindset. You're going to have to work on that on your, I ain't going to hold you. Like you have to work on your own time. Okay. Like your attorney is not responsible for that. Your professional team is not responsible for that. You are responsible for the mindset that you have when you come to a professional with some goals, because it's like a lot of clients will have this mentality or even potential clients will have this mentality of, well, do I deserve to have this type of, this type of planning in place or who am I to have it in place? Like, I don't own hardly anything, like all of this, all of that. So, so I don't need it, therefore, is what it comes down to. Right. And therefore, they'll make a conclusion that I don't need it. But when I actually break down their assets, their family structure, especially within the Black community, we have a lot of blended families. We have a lot of single parent households. We here. So I'm about to break this down for y'all real quick. Come on, ma'am. Just real quick, I have a list, like I got it ready for y'all. So you might need trust planning if this is you. If any of this is you, trust planning is probably going to be a part of your estate planning. Point blank, period, end of discussion. Don't ask any No other questions, questions asked. Say less. <laughs> Say less. Don't ask any other questions about it. If you care for somebody with special needs, absolutely trust planning is going to be a part of your estate plan, period. Mm. There are actually what's called special needs trusts specifically for this purpose. That's why I told y'all earlier, there are a lot of different types of trust. That's one of them. If you care for anybody with special needs, you're going to probably need a trust. And this is because if your dependent or child is receiving like government benefits, you're going to want to set up a trust so that they can continue to receive those government benefits because your child has to not have so much income or stuff coming in. So if you allow them to inherit a lot of money, they could lose those government benefits because there is a certain threshold that they can receive, right? And so I'm going to ask you, does that include, because I know lots of people personally and not so personally that have children that get SSI and things for all of the different reasons as to why you could. So is that inclusive of that? So if it's in relation to your child having special needs, I don't, because um, that's a separate disability. I'm jumping around. Okay, let me pause. I don't want to get too technical. Um, it's okay. It's okay. Um, we'll pause. But, we'll skip that one. I'll ask that offline. <laughs> yes, yes, no, but but yes, there is specific planning that if you do receive SSI, there is going to be specific strategies that you're going to want to use in your planning in order to protect that income. And even like if anybody listening have like elderly parents or something like that, that's another thing like long-term care and disability. You're definitely going to be looking at some trust planning there too, probably. Okay. With parents. But anyway, okay. So there's that. 
Mm-hmm. If you have See, I'm, I'm ready. I got my pen. I'm ready. Girl, okay, get ready. This is a big one. If you have minor children, point blank, period, you're going to have some form of a trust planning. I was going to kind of allude to this earlier, but you can have what are called testamentary trusts. Again, there's different types of trusts. Y'all, I'm going to keep saying this. Testamentary trust. So this type of trust is created through a will. So basically, because it is established through a will, that, you know, those trusts only become effective at death, but after it goes, the will goes through the probate process. Mm, so, okay. So it, that can so be a like downside. A combination of the two. Yes. You can do some of the similar planning strategies with a testamentary trust within a will, but just be mindful of the fact that your family will still be going through probate court at that point. You know, it kind of depends on what your values are and what you want in terms of, you know, do I want my family to be going through the probate process at all? You need to ask that question to yourself. Do I want to make sure that most of the money is kept distributed in the way that I want and not going to probate fees and administrative fees? Like you have to really ask Mm -hmm. these real questions to yourself. And I'm not telling you, there's nothing that's right or wrong, but you Mm got to be truthful about yourself in terms of what you want. Um, That's important. I want to pause there for a second because you know that what I talk about with capacity, especially in our heart flow pillar, this is such a good example of how What's going on in our heart impacts our cash flow because I know for me, I absolutely need to have these honest and open conversations. Is it uncomfortable to think about one day I'm going to pass away? Absolutely. But it's going to happen. And so we have to create the capacity to have these conversations so that we're planning effectively and doing what we want to do to actually break the generational poverty things that are happening in our communities and with our families. So giving yourself that space to even have this conversation is going to be essential for your cash flow. I just love it. I just love it. I got got two of them already. So if you you need a trust tip, you are hired after this call, man. We're going to have to get this together. (laughs) Hey, let's go. Come on now. Like we 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 have to, we absolutely have to. It's so important. People listening, I want y'all to be educated. So I hope y'all still got your pen and paper for those who need trust planning. We on the third thing I got like, so if you are planning for people who have bad financial history or they have a lot of debt, and I'm going to add also something else kind of to that that's kind of related. If you're planning for people who have problems with like drugs, alcohol, or something like that, like some type of a spending issue, you're going to probably need some trust planning associated with that in order to protect them from themselves, right? Like if you have somebody, if you're playing with somebody who you know has a drug problem, why would you want to give them $100,000 outright with no conditions attached, mm-hmm. with no terms, with no nothing? Mm-hmm. When you know potentially they might go and spend it on drugs and just, you know, harm themselves even further than they might already have. And with the bad financial history, let's say you have adult children in there in college and they have a lot of student loan debt. Mm. Come on now. Because that's a big thing right now, right? You know, everybody has to, I have, shoot, I have to loan debt. So um, <laughs> part of my payoff plan. <laughs> and okay. But if you have children or you want to give money to somebody who has a lot of debt in any form or fashion, you don't want to give them money outright because then that money becomes part of their estate and then creditors can come after them to collect the debts. 
mm-hmm. from the money that they were inheriting it from you when that's probably not your intent. You don't want the money to go to Sally Mae or whatever the case is. You probably are giving them the money to set them up for something, right? Mm-hmm. So trust planning will give them the protection that they need from that. Mm. Okay, so that's three. If you own real estate, especially if you are in a state that where there are high property values, like California, like New York or whatever. I know it's up in a lot of places right now, just the nature mm-hmm. of the market. You probably are going to need some protections. You're not giving away a lot of money for like taxes and things like that. And just, mm-hmm. especially if you have like some value, even like sentimental value in homes, you know, like you know, grandma's house, you know, this something grandma like house. That, yeah. You know, that has a lot of history, you know, maybe it's been in your family for generations or something like that. You don't want that home to be sold in probate court because you got to pay your creditors. You know what? It's so funny. I hear all the time. <laughs> I still listen to the radio. Don't judge me y'all. <laughs> but on the radio, there's a guy who comes on and talks a lot about how You know, when our family doesn't either have our name on the deeds or we're not in the will or there's no trust or anything like that set up, how the family heirlooms, including these houses and history goes with them, right? And so to me, it sounds like, and I know I could be jumping ahead, but this trust planning helps to secure that peace of mind as well so that we're preserving all the hard work that the people before us did because I can tell you right now with my dad passing away we don't have any of that none of that was set up and that's also why this is important to me because on the receiving end what we do as the caretakers especially for us women right and then we include this in our families we pick up the pieces and so that could be taking care of things financially it could mean taking care of the bills the houses all of those different things but if we stop for a second and create this capacity to do this pre-planning ahead of time. Had I known this a year ago, girl, I'd have been called, right? When you know better, you do better. So I just- You do better. I love it. it. I love it. it. I love it. I love it. Okay. I keep interrupting you. All right. We got four. What's five? Okay. Five. If you want to dictate how you want your assets to be passed down, I'm going to give an example. You're going to give your daughter $100,000 to buy her first home and you want it specifically for that purpose, you are going to take this money and you're going to buy a house with it. You're going to need trust planning because with the will, you can't put conditions on gifts. It's just distributed outright. Okay. I'm drop the gym. Okay. You see this face? I thought that you could say, I want you to use XYZ for XYZ. No, you cannot. And you can say that in your will, but it's not legally binding in any form or fashion. They can take the money and do what they want. If you have a will, they can take the money and do what they want, whatever they want. It don't matter if you said it in the will or not. Legally, they are not obligated to abide by that. After With the courts and stuff, get it, by the way. Well, after the courts get it. <laughs> if, you, if you even get that money, then, then they you can do what, what, they, want what they want with it, right? But with the trust, a trust is a, if you think of it like it's a contract. It is a legally binding contract such that there are always three, I'm going to give y'all some three roles associated with the trust. There is the role of the person who makes the trust. It's called the grantor, the trust maker, the set lore. There's a lot of words depending on where you're at, what state you're in. 
And then you got your trustee. So that is the person who's going to manage the trust assets. And then you have your beneficiary. That is the person who the trustee is managing assets on behalf of, right? So I'll say that because with this is that, you know, say you have a trustee that is managing the assets for your daughter. So your trustee has to abide by these terms that you set out in the trust. Otherwise, the trustee could be sued for breach of fiduciary duty. So it provides that protection if you really want certain things to pass down a certain way. And it doesn't um, happen that way. You're going to have to do it through a trust because that's the only way that it's legally enforceable. Like your trustee could be in court if they do not abide by the trust terms that you said. If you said that your daughter's supposed to get $100,000 to be used for a down payment, then that's what it needs to be used for. Wow. Um, that's something too that made me think. So you mentioned beneficiary. And I know for me, because I've worked in corporate for so long, I was accustomed to the insurance, right? The life insurance stuff. Now, what if one of our listeners is saying, well, I already got life insurance. Why do I need to do a trust? And let me add to this. I have life insurance through my job. I don't need outside life insurance. I'm covered. Okay. Let's address that last one real quick, point blank, simple. So first of all, give a disclaimer. I'm not a life insurance agent. I don't play one on TV. So consult one that you trust. All right. But I do know that when you have life insurance from your job, if you leave that job, you lose the policy. So what happens if you leave the job or you get laid off? So you need to have insurance outside of your job, point blank, period, end of discussion, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know who needs to hear that. Somebody needs to hear that. <laughs> but It dropped in my spirit. So. Okay, you need to have it point blank, period. Job security is not a thing that doesn't exist. Um, And this should also go into, in my mind, part of the planning for your trust, right? Whatever the payouts and whatnot are so that it can be dictated and determined how to use them because protection for our family. Now, I know some people who even wouldn't buy into the policies at work because they said they couldn't afford to do it or they didn't see the value and, you know, things like that. And typically coming from communities like ours, me being the cool HR person would be like, look, I'm taking my HR hat off. If you don't get this life insurance because you do have children, because you do have a spouse for you think about those different things. And so if you are out here running around with no life insurance outside of your job, the one thing I'm going to need you to do today, today, get it immediately, especially if you are like younger and in good health, it is inexpensive for the amount of Starbucks y'all be buying per month. Y'all can easily, surely pay for a premium every month. It's not that expensive, y'all. It's an investment in your future and to really do legacy building, right? Even if you don't have kids today. What if one day you decide that you want to? What if you adopt somebody or dogs, whatever it is, you know? Y'all just going to have to, and I'm going to say this, might step off the toes, but y'all just going to have to make this stuff a priority. At the end of the day, it's going to be, what are your priorities? Is your priority spending this money on target runs? Or is your priority going to be making sure that if something happens to me, my kids are covered? Like, what is going to be the priority here? And I'm going to get into this too. Like, I know people, because trust planning, I ain't going to hold y'all, is going to be more expensive than you just getting a will in place, okay? Mm -hmm. But this is an investment into your family, into probably your business if you have one into your legacy, okay? You have to look at it as that. What is the definition of an investment, 
right? No, in my head, I'm saying ROI, return of investment, return on investment. (laughs) Hello, somebody. Literally, I'm about to do this real quick, y'all. Definition, okay? Like, in real time. time. (laughs) Like, in real time, okay? The action or process of investing money for profit or material results. So basically what you just said with RI, you are getting some type of something back. When you spend this money, you are getting some type of something back. You're getting results. You're getting something back. When you're investing in your estate planning, guess what the ROI is? Generational wealth. Mm. And it's not even just you. It's your children. It's your children's children. It's your children's children's children. Now, if y'all don't think that the investment is worth your family tree and your family line, then I don't know what to tell you. Now, of course, I want y'all to find somebody that you trust and that you vibe with and all of the things like do that, do your due diligence, whatever. But when you find that person and they give you the price, don't look at them sideways. Don't look at them sideways because you're asking them to plan for First of all, probably a lot more money than y'all think y'all got. A lot of y'all come to my office and you're like, I don't got much. And then you got a life insurance policy. You got five retirement accounts. You got five bank accounts. You got a house. Don't, don't. Okay. Like, come on now. And it needs protection. It and needs all of it protection. needs protection and it needs a strategy and it needs a plan. So don't look at them sideways because like I said, it's going to be when they quote you the price, they're going to pretty much flip it for you for generations. Mm-hmm. You want to think of it like that. They're going to flip that for you. For generations, like attorneys aren't even asking for a percentage of the ROI that generations after you're going to receive. Mm-hmm. It's nothing compared to that. And when you really look at the numbers, it is nothing compared to that. By you simply setting up your estate planning for real, that could mean that your kids can follow their dreams and not have to feel like they got to work like they could start their own business. Like they, they got to work at a job that they cannot stand and stress themselves out right. and have health conditions right. and deal with all kind of BS. Oh, right. And what is that worth to you? If somebody says that it's $10,000, is that worth it to you? Is having your children start from a place that you finished at, is that worth the $10,000 for you? Is the $10,000 worth having each child get, let's say, $50,000 every year from Mm. your trust? Mm. Is the $10,000 worth it then? And that's like, come on, y'all. Once your children pass away, is the $10,000 worth your grandchildren getting the rest of the funds and then it's going to continue on after them and then they can reap the benefits of the trust? Is the $10,000 worth of playing an attorney do this? Is that worth it then? Like- you have to have some real conversations with yourself about this. Mm-hmm. This is okay. not about attorneys trying to get over on you. Okay. Like there might be some out here who are, like I said, do your due diligence. Now, once you find somebody that you really trust and you vibe with and all that, they have, they're teaching you, educating you along the way. Like that's what I do in my class. How I'm talking to y'all is how I talk to my clients. And that's what we need. Like you said, you know, vibing with whoever it is that you're working with. And I know we didn't get to go over all of these specifically, but you've kind of touched on each of them already. The mindset, right? The mindset in terms of, you know, do I deserve this? Can I do this? Do I even have enough assets to do this? So we got to make sure that we're working on our mindset before we come see somebody like you, because you're going to check us in the door, right? I'm not here to fix your mindset. 
I'm sure you help in helping us understand that this is necessary. But in order for us to really build this generational wealth and have legacies, we have to have a wealth mindset. And that starts with being open and honest about what is it that you value? What is it that is a priority? right? And you've talked about the motivation. Same thing, right? You want to be able to pass these things on from generation to generation. I would love to be able to pay for my daughter's wedding. I would love to be able to pay for my son and daughter to have a down payment on their house or their first car. Because I know I was running around here in a beater, right? A little $300 holler (laughs) with the gas tank that I couldn't fill up past half because it was leaking. But I was grateful, right? Yeah. The motivation, right? You have your mindset. What's the motivation for doing it, for getting into this? And then last but not least, we said, what did you need to do? Movements. You need to take some action. You need to take some action. That's just point blank period. You're going to have to take some action, y'all. It's not enough for you to hear this information. I know how you said earlier, once you know better, you do better. I say it similarly in a way of this. Once you hear the information, you are now responsible for it. You are now held accountable. So no longer is I didn't know an excuse. So anybody who listens to this episode, you know, at least one of those five, if not all of the ones you listed of if you need to trust, you no longer have an excuse of, oh, I didn't know. Now, you know, <laughs> now you know. Says, but so what now what? Right. Yeah. And then I also say to add to that. Knowing is half the battle. Now that you know, what are you going to do? You're going to sit on it and think about it and wait and wait and wait until I'm something gonna happens. I'm going to pray about it. We Y'all. ain't going to do that. We not, look, prayer is important. It's powerful. But faith without works is dead, period. Dead. Dead. Period. And you don't need prayer for something that, for principles that God already put in place for you. I heard a pastor put it like this. You don't pray for God to put gas in your tank. You have the money, you got the car. So you drive over to the gas station. You put your card in, you put the nozzle in the tank and you fill up your car. You're not praying like, oh God, I just need a ram in a bush. I need for you to just miraculously put gas into this car. Like, that work. no. You got the tools to put gas in your car. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have exactly. the tools to put gas in your car. It's like you're praying to God that he gives you a cake when he gives you the ingredients to make the cake. Ooh, come on and preach. I know you was giving us a sermon today, Miss Mariah. I'm just, <laughs> you I'm got just, the ingredients. You just need to turn on the oven and mix it together. Mix it together. That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. And I'm not discounting that there's going to be work and effort. Yes, there's going to be work and effort that's going to be needed on your part. Please do not come to any professional or whatever and act like, you know, okay, well, here, just do what you will. Absolutely not. No. Because I first. You're so sincere and so serious. <laughs> serious. Like, I will literally, I'm not for taking people's money. If I don't think you ready and you had a, I'll be like, you got to go back and do some stuff, okay? You like, have to work on your mindset and your motivation before we work please, together. Please, because I can't do that. That's your job. That's your responsibility. That's not my job. Boundaries. That is your job and your responsibility, okay? Is you come with the vision, I take your vision, and I create a strategy for the vision. That's my job. I'm the tool and the mechanism to get the vision out of your head to actually put it into action. Mm. That is actually what I'm doing. 
So if you don't come to me, like how you were saying earlier, with some sort of, you don't know what your values are. If you don't know what is important to you when it comes to this stuff, if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish with this stuff, then you need to do that. People always ask me when I get on process or whatever, what's the first step? That's the first step. Before you even go to an attorney or whoever, like you need to have that down because once you do that, you'll actually be able to, how I keep saying in this session is you'll be able to vet the attorneys out that you need to do because if they aren't respecting your vision and what you're saying, then okay, you can move on to the next, right? Because you're so clear on what you're trying mm-hmm. to accomplish. Not sitting around saying, whoo, that'll do it. <laughs> like, and I'm not saying you don't need to know the strategy because that's not your job. That's our job. You just mm-hmm. need to come with the vision. And if you have somebody that's like, okay, bet, we're about to put it, we're going to create this, 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 and this, and this based off of what you just told. That's what I do. Based mm-hmm. off of what somebody tells me in a consultation, I'm like, they're like, okay, I want, you know, if they mention generational wealth or something like that, I'd be like, okay, so we're planning for at least a couple generations. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then like, <laughs> like I'm literally writing these notes down as you're talking, like, okay, I want my son to have X amount of money for X. Okay. So that means we need to put these uh, distribution yeah. guidelines into your truck. Okay. 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 Yeah. Bet, okay. All right. So yeah. And then I'm looking at your, it's a whole strategy, so, but it will help you a lot as you are you know, seeking out an attorney. Cause like I was telling Nicole offline before is that some attorneys, especially some who don't look like us and it might not be their fault, but it's just a culturally competent thing. They might not be as culturally aware of some of the things that go on within our communities, but some of them do what's called like balance sheet estate planning. So they'll look at the value of your assets and based on the value, they'll be like, oh, well, you just need a will. Don't believe it. Don't believe that for a second. I am more for what's called values-based estate planning. And if that is you, like you want your actual values and your actual goals to be implemented, then you need to be looking for an attorney who is a values-based estate planning attorney, okay? They need to be looking for you. That's who they need to be looking for. Seriously, goodness. Oh, I'm so excited that we've had a chance to have this conversation because it's so, so needed, even for myself more than you even know. I know that we've talked here and there, but it's essential. And as a mom and as a business owner, as someone who is carrying lots of weights, this is essential. And I just thank you for it. Before I let you get out of here, though, you know, I got to ask you these couple questions right quick. Yes, I'm going to ask you the flourishing, flow and flourish questions. So it's going to be three of them. Okay, cool. And the first one is if you could go back in time and have a conversation with a 17 year old version of yourself and give her one piece of advice and one piece of advice only, what would it be and why? Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. I am tend to be a person that throughout my entire life has always lived in a state of once I get there, I'll be set. Like once I'm 15, I'm gonna be able to drive. Like I always take in the future. And honestly, only until recently that I was like, yo, that is not healthy. Mm. And so much so that I feel like I didn't enjoy the season that I was in at the time for the sake of wanting to be in a certain place in my life at the time. So I would just tell her to enjoy the journey. Stop trying to strive for the destination. 
I love that. And I still relate even today because it's so easy for us to get caught up in what we're doing, what we're trying to accomplish and not enjoying that journey. So I love that girl. That's applicable advice today. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to tell 17 year old me that too. Okay. Question number two, since we are on the flow and flourish podcast, tell me one thing you do to make sure that you are managing your capacity so that you can flow and flourish. Some you do on a regular basis. Setting boundaries. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Come on now. Setting boundaries. If it's a no from at this point in time, y'all, and I used to not be like this. I'm a recovering people pleaser. I ain't even gonna hold y'all. I was a recover. I still have moments that I have to check myself and be it's like, "It's a process. You're unlearning. It's a, process. it's a whole process. It's like I literally have to have a talk with myself, like, no. And also, like, I'm managing a team now in my firm. So it's like, sometimes I'm like, you can figure it out. You don't, you can figure it out. Like, oh, it just takes so much weight and pressure off to know, because I tend to be like, or suffer from like savior complex. Like I have to step in and save people or, you know, something like that. When I know some of these listeners suffer from that too, because I'm recovering. Many of us listen. Yeah. It's important. So I had to be like, look, that's a part of boundaries is knowing what you are responsible for and what you're not responsible for. So if you're not responsible for something and somebody else's responsibility, then you put that responsibility where it should be, which is mm-hmm. on them. <laughs> Come on, capacity management. I love it. And you know, I'm all about boundaries. I believe that being able to have capacity and create an ideal work-life balance is fueled by having boundaries, you know, not just for ourselves, but for the people that we work with, our friends and family members, and not just having them there to have them there, but to actually activate them, right? And utilize them to set you up. So I love that. Look at you and your boundaries, ma'am. All right. Last but not least, we have talked about so much today and you have dropped so many gems and nuggets, and I'm so appreciative of it. Tell the listeners the one thing that you really want them to walk away with after listening to this episode. Ooh, okay. So as, as she gets close to the camera, right, I hands folded. Close to the camera, y'all. Like I, I gotta <laughs> lean in. Like above all else, I want y'all to know that your decisions affect yourself and other people. So you have to be intentional about the way that you move in this world. Like you have to be real intentional about it, especially like we talked a lot about estate planning today. Your decision not to do estate planning has consequences that affect people that you care about. And even your decision to try to DIY it on your own when you know you don't know what you're doing also has consequences associated with that really not getting your mindset right about estate planning can have some consequences like I said earlier we take what you want your values your beliefs all the things and put a plan to that so if you already coming with oh why does this cost so much da, 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 like you already not even asking the right questions if y'all find somebody who really speaks to you, who really educates you along the way, who 
really does a thorough job in giving you the strategy associated with your plan, helping you save on estate taxes, helping your family get creditor protection, your kids, helping your family, like they do all of that and they're going above and beyond for you and they quote you a price that you weren't expecting, you just going to have to pay what the price is. If you find somebody that you really love and is good, then it's worth the investment. Go ahead and pay the price. It's worth the investment. And I want to just add to that, being able to work with people who understand our needs, right? Specifically the cultural relevance. Exactly. You know, is going to be super important. So I'm with you. I love that you said our actions or lack thereof or lack thereof impacts the people that we love and the future generations. So if you're serious about legacy building and acquiring and retaining generational wealth, then y'all need to go on and call Mariah. I'm just going to say that and leave that there. And thank you, ma'am. I'm so grateful for your yes. I know it took us a while to get to this space, but I definitely foresee some future collaboration with you and I. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, I'm doing this capacity conference next year. So I'm going to have to have you in the building. We'll okay. talk about that offline. Yes. capacity. Oh, me, okay. I got you. In the meantime, tell everybody where they can find you, how they can connect to get a consultation with you. And of course, I'm going to have all of that in the show notes, but you are phenomenal at what you do and you are going to be a blessing to so many people. So go ahead. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Thank y'all so much for listening. If you want to connect with me, I do have like a personal, it's not really super personal, but personal brand like IG that is at Mariah Advises. And then my firm has a Instagram page as well that I post a lot of educational tips and tricks and things on there. That is at Legacy Street Law, the same on Facebook as well. And then if you would like to schedule a form of a consultation with me, I have two consultations. One is a legacy roadmap session, and that is for legacy planning and business succession planning for all of my business owners, because we didn't talk about that, but that's very important. If you're a business owner, you need to know what needs to be done with your business. Sounds like a part two. Part two, actually. <laughs> Let's do it because there's a lot associated with that. And I want y'all to be educated on that. But yeah, any of that, schedule a legacy roadmap session. Um, that You can go to my website, www.legacystreetlaw.com or my firm's website, and you'll see schedule consultation. You'll click legacy roadmap session and fill out the information there. And then the second one, I have a business roadmap session. So for all of my business owners, if you are in need of setting up your business properly, structuring it properly in order to get those business certifications, in order to get the right clients, to track the right all that stuff, if you need general counsel services, if you need intellectual property, so trademark and copyright registration. Yes, ma'am. Oh, girl. Okay. I was, I was real. Like the hiring part, we need to talk. Okay. No, but seriously, like y'all, like, and also contract um, consulting. I'll do contract consulting and review drafting. If that is you, then please, please schedule a business roadmap session on the website, www.legacystreetlaw.com. I'd be happy to assist you. So I'll be scheduling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I just want to thank you again for pouring in to everybody. This is so necessary. And I know we didn't get to do the business side, but the history that you are making by helping us to create generational wealth, by helping us to really create these legacies. I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing, for you showing up and standing in your light, for you helping us 
to have someone who looks like us for us to be able to come to. I applaud you. I thank you. And I appreciate you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, girl. This is so good. Definitely part two on the way. Hope we will yes. we'll talk, we'll talk business next time. Yes. Business. <laughs> All right, girl. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Was this not everything I said it would be? I know you took a lot of notes. I know now that you know the difference between a will and a trust. And I also know that in order for you to really, truly be doing legacy planning, you have to check your mindset, your motivation, and your movement. So make sure that as you are getting your cash flow pillar together, that you're keeping in mind what really needs to be done, right? Having those honest conversations in your heart out loud and doing the work to really create the legacy and leave that legacy for the people that you love. Make sure that you go and you find Mariah, you consult with her, because I know plenty of you are business owners and typically moms or have families, and you want to make sure that you have your back end together. So I encourage you to go out and connect with her. In the meantime, make sure that you come right back here on Thursday, because there will be another new episode from the Denise Taylor as we talk about her new book Embrace Your Power and Go as well as the success conference that she has coming up at the end of this month. Until then thank you for allowing me to be your capacity coach and helping you to increase your capacity for a sustainable success by creating balance between your personal and professional life without ever having to sacrifice yourself, your family, and what matters most to you. I'll see you next week.